This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back. It's Kelly and Ramia with Ramia and Grant. Is that confusing yet? Well, the whole week is going to be full of fun like that. Grant and Kelly tomorrow as well, just giving you some programming notes. Uh, but one thing that we will keep is our Ask a Vet conversation with Dr. Danielle Jeankind. Today, we're talking about motivation and how it affects behavior in our pets. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. We have our own biases coming into this conversation about which pets we're thinking of and what behaviors and how motivation really uh, it scales differently accordingly. But when we think about training a pet, it often conjures up images of dogs following obedience commands, and it relates to, however, far more than this. Whether we mean to or not, we all train our pets every time we interact with them, and this is part of, quote, civilizing our furry family so that they can successfully live in human households. But what we don't often realize, Danielle, is while we're busy training our pets, they're also training us in a sense. I think some of us realize that a little more than others. But today, Danielle, <laughs> you're going to take a lighthearted look at human interactions and how they um, affect us, the humans, as well as our pets. So in this context of what we're going to talk about, how do you define the word training? Well, I'm, I'm going to look at it first from a human perspective. So, you know, if I want my sweet little kitty Eve to perform some sort of behavior when I tell her to, there have to be a few <laughs> things in place, you know, for, for that to happen. So it's a of cute idea, the, training your kids. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, the first thing is communication, right? I have to be able to indicate to her what I want her to do, and she has to understand that. Um, the second thing, of course, that needs to be in place is that she has to have some kind of motivation to perform the behavior, which if you have a cat, you know that's always the issue. And of course, since Eve is a cat and I'm a human, we don't speak the same language, so I have to teach her what my signals or words mean and then find some way to convince her that displaying the behavior I want her to do is something she wants to do as well. But fascinatingly to me, this process also seems to work in reverse too. So if mm. Eve wants me to do something for her, she also has to teach me what her signals mm. mean and then find a way to motivate me to do that for her. So when I think about this, I think my motivations are a little more complex than hers. You know, she might want me to feed her and start running back and forth between her bowl and the food bag, winding herself around my feet in the process. And I might really want to see her happily eating while I scratch her back and feel good about myself for making her happy. But I also know that I can override that particular motivation with the thought that, you know, she's already been fed and I don't want her to get diabetes from uh. being overweight. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're the complex ones in the equa occasion uh, equation. So yes, I. Oh, sorry, Ramia. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. So uh, Ramia and I, I we both kind of talked about this during the the break, and I I think we're both very curious how you motivate all animals, especially 
especially cats. I feel like I speak dog language a lot more than than cat language, but it could be either cats or dogs or any pet. What what are some of those ways you can motivate them to modify their behavior? Well, behavior theory is something we learn in vet school, of course, and the, it teaches that there are four things that can lead to motivation to either perform or to stop a behavior. So, of course, these are kind of classified into positive things and negative things. So a positive consequence results in either a reward or a punishment being added to affect the motivation to perform a behavior. And a negative consequence is a reward or a punishment being taken away to affect that motivation. So if we break those down, you know, of course, the first in these four things is positive reinforcement, which is usually what we use to train pets. So this is rewarding a desirable behavior with something pleasant. So of course, you know, we do this for our pets whenever we feed them, when we touch them affectionately, when we give them what they want, or when we praise them. And ironically, our pets do this for us, you know, when they act affectionately toward us, when they play with us, or even when we think they just seem happy, you know, something about a happy pet makes us happy too. Mm -hmm. And really, that's kind of the nature of the human animal bond, you know, these positive interactions with our pets are rewards for both of us. So they're kind of like a form of positive reinforcement. So the second motivator is called positive punishment. And that's when an undesirable behavior is discouraged by pairing it with an unpleasant or painful consequence. So things like shock colors for barking dogs work on that principle, you know, bark, shock, bark, shock. Mm. And in theory, the pain of the shock makes the behavior less likely to be performed again. Ideally, you would never use this to train your mm. pets. Okay. Um, but of course, we could apply the same principle um, from pets to humans. I mean, pets sometimes enact a negative consequence. You know, if we ignore a warning like a hiss from a cat or a growl from mm. a dog, we might get bitten or scratched, right? So that would be an example of that. So the third um behavior motivator is called negative reinforcement. So when a negative consequence is applied constantly and is only stopped when the behavior we don't want is stopped. So dog vibration collars sometimes work on that, you know, um, they'll put them on the dog and um, tell the dog to come back. When the dog ignores the commander gets too far away, the collar vibrates and doesn't stop until the dog starts to come back to the handler. Um, and again, pets sometimes use this strategy on people. Yep. You can, that noisy cat who's howling at the food bowl, you know, suddenly goes quiet when you feed them and you're like, oh, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You often hear people talking about like they do it for the attention or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the last motivator is negative punishment, which means to take a reward away when an undesirable behavior is performed. So, you know, when you're at the front door and your dog is jumping all over you, you know, we take our attention, which of course is a reward to our pets, away from them until they stop. Oh, and, you know, my, my cat... Yes. My cat does this to me when I go to brush her, you know, unless I get somebody to hold her for me. She's going to run from what she doesn't like, which mm -hmm. is the same kind of thing as taking her attention away from me. Now, obviously, we have absolutely no evidence to support that our pets intentionally or logically consider any of these principles with the intention of affecting our behavior. That's a human thing and our pets aren't human. But we can observe, though, that pets adjust their behavior in whatever way they learn will get them what they want. Yep, I was going to say. <laughs> so, 
anecdotally, yep. there's a lot <laughs> to the contrary. <laughs> okay, yeah, so <laughs> you spend enough I'm, time with your pet and you're like, I think he knows. He yeah, I, yes. I feel like I feel like definitely cats at least are smart enough to like I, I I always find it the cat that I know best. If you do something she doesn't like, you know, change her food or whatever, she will she will go right up to her litter box and use her the washroom right outside oh. of the litter box. And I'm like, Savage. this this is not like this is not a mistake. This is a <laughs> very clear message that that's cat is sending. Exactly. Uh, but I am very curious, Danielle, because I feel like especially these um, four, you know, uh, what did you call them? Like theories around motivation can result in some funny situations, no? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there are tons and tons of funny videos online of, you know, pets that have people doing all kinds of outrageous things. And, you know, and I hear, um, you know, things from clients sometimes too about their pets motivating them to do all kinds of funny and even unnecessary things like, I have to feed him by hand is a big one. I'm like, mm. really? Mm. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's funny because I'm certainly not one who can sit there and pass judgment on anyone who is trained by their pets. Because even though I'm very aware of how this works and supposedly educated, even though I'm not immune to being manipulated by my pet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Eve absolutely hates to be ignored. And we're in an ongoing war over this issue. So when she wants something, she is darn determined that she is going to get it if she possibly can. And, you know, from my perspective, of course, there are appropriate times to ask for things. And then there are times when I definitely do not want her to bug me. So, of course, one such time is in the evening before bed. Um, if we need to unwind, my husband and I will curl up on the couch and watch something on TV. Now, if Eve wants something and we don't get up to get it for her, she will jump up on shelves, the TV console or tables, and she starts knocking things off and breaking. <laughs> oh, Oh, he told yes. us about this, the one by one, right? Yes. And, you know, I'm sure it started way back when she was a baby because she was trying to amuse herself while we were ignoring her. But she quickly learned that we would get up to stop her yep. so she wouldn't well, sure. break anything. Yep. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, if we get up to stop her and then we don't give her what she wants, we, you know, we'll sit down on the couch and she goes right back to knocking things off and breaking them. And the only way to stop is to lock her in the bathroom and listen to her house. Oh, no. <laughs> or to give her what she wants. And, you know, to me, I'm thinking in my brain, you know, this is a classic situation of negative reinforcement applied against me and my husband. You know, totally. she will continue to apply these unpleasant consequences until we perform the behavior she wants from us. And from her perspective, she gets positive reinforcement for her bad behavior when we finally give her what she wants. So we have allowed ourselves to be trained. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, absolutely. I was going to say, uh, the only thing more stubborn than a stubborn cat is my stubborn poodle. And it's the same thing, right? Like he, for example, does not like the command down, especially if it's uh, used for when he's too being too riled or too social and wanting to hang out with a dog that doesn't seem interested. So he will go down, but he will do it only to appease me and then just inch his way, slither 
on the ground towards, <laughs> I, I say his prey, but you know, his social mate <laughs> who doesn't feel like socializing. And I'm thinking he knows that if I, if he goes down, then I'll stop paying attention or at least reduce my attention around this, uh, you know, okay, he's gone down. I'll relax now. And I won't notice him inch his way across the floor. I don't know which of the four categories this falls under, Danielle, but I know that it's a manipulation tactic for sure. <laughs> for sure. Mm. And, and I know, sorry, Grant, go ahead. You were going to no. share something. Oh, no. And let's let's face it. It's it's a big game too, right? They're like, I, I know she she's going to be mad at me, which is kind of funny <laughs> yeah. or it makes it a little bit interesting. I know she's not going to actually, you know, in the meantime, me yeah. <laughs> so let's just have a bit of fun. Yes, yes, for sure. And I know my, my cat, the other time I insist on ignoring hers in the middle of the night. Mm. Um, my husband generally gets up for work at 5am and he feeds her, but Eve starts getting hungry around 3am. So if one of us is stupid enough to leave the bedroom door open, she <laughs> will come into the room and start breaking things again and making noise that I can't sleep through. And I used to get out of bed when this happened and she would run for her food bowl or I would catch her and put her out of the room. And once she was out of the room, I would shut my door and go back to sleep and ignore her. So she got wise to that tactic Ooh, pretty fast. Right. Oh, yeah. And when I get <laughs> out of bed up? now... Yeah, she leveled it up. Like, this is <laughs> this is crazy. She'll run and hide under the bed and I can't reach her. If I ignore her and go back to bed, the noise starts up again and I'm, you know, I it's absolutely not come out from under the bed until she hears the sound of kibbles falling to her bowl <laughs> in the kitchen. Oh I kid you not. And my latest tactic in this little war is to run downstairs, drop a pen into her bowl <laughs> so she comes around and then race back into my room before she can get there. You're but it's a hollow her. victory. It's a hollow oh. victory. This oh. war is going to escalate. You it know, and you know she's still the one winning. You're just trying to see if you can one up, but not yet, Danielle. I know, and I know I should just ignore her, you know, but I can't, you know, yeah. and that's just sad. It's really. your sleep, it's your stuff that's breaking, it's extra food and the diabetes, everything is a problem. <laughs> Danielle, this is so hilarious. Thank you so much. You're welcome. What a fun angle on the topic of motivation and our pets' behaviors and apparently how they're training us also. And Dr. Danielle Johnkind will be back next week with some more Ask a Vet conversations. And after the break, we're actually, uh, it's not just hosts flipping around. We have content flipping around for you as well. Curious Minds today with Christine Malik. We're continuing the chat around artificial intelligence and image description. Um yeah, what do you call it? Christine has been really leveling up her experience around this. We'll be right back to find out more. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. 